Hello, good afternoon, everyone. Uh, welcome to the chat show. I just want to make sure I'm not muted. Um, welcome to the chat show. Um, very unique and uh, uh, a different day today. And we have uh, also, I would say, very special guest in today's segment. We talk about, uh, uh, in, in the chat show, we talk about empathy, employment, and innovation every Wednesday afternoon. And um, uh, where we bring in a lot of great um, innovators and, and, and leaders from the staffing industry and disability community. And in today's show, uh, our special guest is Paula uh, Ratliff. Um, she's a senior vice president at uh, Manpower Group North America. She drives the strategy for the top sales leaders to provide innovative workforce and the total talent management solution through uh, companies, a full suite of um, brands, uh, manpower group solutions, uh, right management, express and, and manpower. With that, Paula, welcome, welcome to the chat show. And thank you for joining us today uh, on a very thank special you. day. Yeah, what a great day. What an honor to be with you of all days, Nisha. I'm so um, grateful I was sharing with him that my uh, social media was blowing up this morning with every female that I've had the pleasure to work with and that I call uh, great mentors of mine uh, were posting about wearing their pearls and their chucks uh, in some in support of Madam um, uh, Kamala Harris today and, and the inauguration. So uh, while that's on the top of everyone's mind, I just want you to know I am wearing the pearls, but unfortunately I don't own a pair of chucks, true confessions. So it's definitely on my list for the next uh, birthday or maybe even Valentine's Day because I definitely want to keep supporting this amazing woman. Paula, let me tell you when you mentioned this, I, I'm still having pills in my body. It is really uh, you know, pleasure to have you on uh, on in today's today's segment. Um, and as you know, you know, the, you, you, and and for the viewers that as a as a global leader, you have your contribution to the staffing industry uh, is just amazing. Your knowledge, your experience, your passion. Uh, so tell us a little bit about you know uh, uh, you know your your role and and of course your contribution to the staffing industry and what you've been doing for for this amazing years uh, at manpower and overall in your professional career yeah so um i've spent the last 21 years at manpower group and uh, it's been an amazing journey in my career um, most of those years i got to take on a new challenge every two or three years and prior to the job I'm in today, I spent the last uh, six years working in our global organization with um, supporting sales across 72 countries um, and driving cultural um, alignment to our clients so that the clients had a great global governance model across the globe with Manpower Group and across, across all of our brands. And of course, those of you who may know her, Becky Frankowitz joined as our president at Manpower Group about three years ago. And the opportunity staying with our female theme to follow a female leader uh, in our organization was just too tempting for me. So I left the global organization about a year and a half ago um, to come back into our North American organization, uh, reporting to Ron Needham and into Becky uh, Frankowitz 
and support the journey of uh, our North American organization. So in my role today, I still support our largest clients, many of which are global, but I drive our North American strategy across our brands. So right management, uh, total talent uh, solutions and our talent solutions organization, along with Experis and Manpower, and last but not least, um, probably the least known brand though, Jefferson Wells. Um, which is our finance sector. So I represent all the brands with our clients. And then the last hat that I wear at Manpower Group, which is what gave me the uh, wonderful opportunity to meet you and work with your organization, is I've been a, a passionate partner and volunteer for supplier diversity at Manpower Group for the last 15 years. And you and I joke about this, but uh, you know, one of the things that I love to tell people Kathy Greco started our supplier diversity initiatives at Manpower Group and she tapped me as an individual contributor in sales and said, why don't you please come get involved? And I could use a great mentor with some of our suppliers. You know, would you be interested? And I said, sure, I'd love to learn about it. Um, but it has been such a joy and I can tell you, I've learned so much more from working with the entrepreneurs and supplier diversity than I think I've ever had the opportunity to contribute back to them. They've taught me a lot, both professionally and personally. Um, and so many women leaders in uh, the women owned businesses in our supplier diversity group and diversity owned businesses, veteran owned businesses, LGBT owned businesses. That's been a real joy throughout my career to contribute to um, both our clients uh, in partnership with many of you. And then also just the personal growth that I've had to work and learn with you. So let me tell you our experience as a supplier uh, of supplier diversity team at Manpower Group has been just amazing. And this is the uh, place or event which we always, every year we look forward because that's where we learn about the future, what happened last year and how the future looks like. Because as a small organization, uh, some of the information which Manpower Group as a global leader, what you have and you and your team have access to or has access to the information which we always uh, look forward so i'm really looking forward for this conversation and try and and uh, uh, looking forward for some latest and greatest data but before we get into that as a uh, as a woman leader uh, uh, we touch a little bit uh, woman leader and um, as we all know women are really breaking the glass ceiling in the in the workplace and today we witness the the history as Kamala Harrison Harris has uh, uh, sworn in as uh, a first African American uh, with uh, South uh, Asian heritage. Uh, last year we faced a lot of challenges because of the pandemic. Um, how were you women uh, employees impacted during COVID nineteen? Uh, COVID nineteen, and uh, how do you see the the future? Uh, at, at workplace for women? Yeah, that's a great question. And we've done a couple of panels um, and data shows that women were far more impacted probably from the social and the um, economic impact 
um, than men during the COVID crisis. Um, and when you think about and you survey men and women in their excitement to go back to a new normal and back to work, men are far greater um, leaning in and ready to go back, like greater than 60% of them are eager to go back to work. And when you ask the same question of women, it's less than, you know, 35%. And, and partially that's because during this crisis, and you and I joked about it in a couple of preparations, from home, all workers are being asked to be um, teachers and, um, you know, taking care of family members at home. And so a lot of us are taking on additional responsibilities in juggling and balancing work-life balance. And because of that, we're seeing a trend for one life. So especially females, they're looking for this one life in their future and flexibility in the workforce. Um, and when you look at uh, women that are thinking about going back and you think about the challenges that they've had and because schools have still not consistently opened, they're still juggling uh, responsibilities between childcare and perhaps taking care of their parents. And, um, you know, most of the household chores in America are still led by females in their homes. So the statistics, especially those with children and the age group, those women are looking for this one life balance. And I believe they're going to change the workforce for the better. Um, but if you think about statistics, family has become a top priority for all workers. So if you prioritize and you look at how they've had to shift their responsibilities during the pandemic, when we analyze the data, and we look at the percentages, 61% of Gen Xers say it is a top priority to balance their family life with their work life when, when we go back um, to work as normal. 71% of the millennials say it's a priority, 76 of Gen Xers, and 68% of boomers. Those are all US figures, but we've seen that the impact is global, right? So women have taken this impact and they're pushing for a one life strategy in the workforce so that they can have more flexibility um, to drive work and continue to be productive. And they've proven their productivity um, throughout this year and companies are taking notice. So we're working with millions of clients um, across the globe and certainly thousands of clients in the US and we're helping them look at 2021 and beyond and how to do traditional work in an untraditional way. One really good example that's probably the most dramatic for us in, um, in me personally that I've had my hands in is the gaming industry. And that industry has been so secretive and we've always had to do lockdown and special um, you know, locations and, and security around that work. Um, but because it's so essential and coming into the Christmas market, it became more essential and that business was definitely on the rise. We worked with many of our clients in that space to ensure that we could find a safe way for employees to work from home and yet be able to handle the security and the safety um, of the employees balanced with the security of the data and the um, test work that we were doing. So it can be done in even the most uh, challenging of environments 
And the nice thing is clients are looking for ways to be more flexible with their employees. And we see that as a trend that's going to continue into the future. Yeah, that is that is so powerful. As you just last piece, you mentioned that employees are now more flexible. They have recognized because everyone is as has experienced this, right? That's that's the this you know uh, the part of this pandemic is it's truly is global, and everyone has personal level has experienced this. So now people are more understanding. The employers are more. So tell us what are the other different. Um, acceptance or, or changes you have seen in the from the employer standpoint where as, as, as a workforce solution expert when you talk to them any other changes you have seen or experienced in last few months yeah and and it's really been since march um but but for the first time um, in a broader scale, I will say our talent solutions organization was really in front of this years ago when they started getting um, employers to collaborate and maybe four employers would bring together a permanent opportunity, but use seasonal work where each used a worker for maybe three months. It was a work my way program that we launched and uh, some uh, companies were very interested in partnering with other companies to, to make that successful for the employee, right? So that they could have a permanent opportunity versus like mm -hmm. four different contract works. Right. So we saw that, you know, years ago, but now we're seeing employers lean in and be far more collaborative with one another and really partner in a way that we had not seen in the past. Um, one that's not a client of mine, but I did have a friend go through this experience. He was a flight attendant for American Airlines. And of course, their industry was hit really heavily with COVID. And one of the opportunities that American reached out was with Amazon. We saw a surge in e-commerce. Um, any of your distribution logistics, they were on fire. So American Airlines reached across uh, to Amazon and said, how can we partner for our workers that we need to put on a you know, furlough? And during this period of time, how can we build a partnership to utilize the workforce? And that's exactly what they did. So my friends went and did uh, three or four months at Amazon during their peak season, working in a distribution center. Um, he loved the opportunity. It was still working with people. He he got to be an essential worker in that organization um, doing, you know, showing up every day, working 12 hour days, um, very different from the airlines. But I think that's one of the innovations that I'm seeing is we reached out to hospitality suppliers when or hospitality clients when we knew their supply was also going to be, you know, unfortunate and have to lay off many workers so that we could try to find employment for the other surging uh, industries that we saw that were in need of workers desperately. Mm -hmm. So trying to marry companies and have them, I called it a broker of uh, partners and companies in a way that we haven't done before. Typically, we are seen as an employment expert, but we're not seen as one who brings companies together to be innovative and plan differently around talent. And I do think you're going to continue to see that in the future, whereas there are surges and demands in talent, you'll see companies partner in a unique, new, innovative way in the future. 
See, that is so powerful. And that's what I personally love about our profession and the industry, right? We, 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 we keep our eyes and ears busy learning from both sides, from the employer side and from the, from the, all the different generations, five generations, how they are thinking and prioritizing family as a, as a priority. Um, now we are learning from both sides and it's our role to how do we build and innovate and, and be a connector between these two, uh, two stakeholders or parties. So it is beautiful. I, and thank you for sharing uh, a lot of great data and um, uh, you know, the trend that you know, both sides are really changing and that pan pandemic has really brought, um, I would say both sides more closer. And in, in our case, when we see that as a matchmaker, uh, or, or a, 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 you know, uh, what do you call the, yeah, matchmaker, right? That's our, like in a very simple language. And uh, so that's, we, we see that benefit. Uh, of course, there are a lot of impacts and, and uh, effect on the employment side. So changing the gears a little bit, um, how will 2021 be in terms of, uh, um, uh, of uh, employment where, uh, you know, what are the early indicators according to the manpower group, the records and, and some of the statistics and research data which you, you can share with us? Yeah, so the jobs report wasn't as favorable as we would have liked to have seen. We were thinking that it was going to be more favorable and we were seeing early indicators. I do think it's just a, a minor drop. There are still 10 million opportunities and jobs in the marketplace today. We're seeing them in three, um, the, the drivers in three primary categories. The first one is, um, you know, moving things. So I talked about distribution logistics. You know, that's a big area that we see continuing to grow. And um, the second one is really helping people. So think medical life sciences and health type companies. And then the third uh, bucket is really transforming business. So it's about sales and business development and IT, um, making sure that we have infrastructure to support remote working, which we don't see as a trend that's going away. So those mm -hmm. industry sectors are all continuing to grow. We think they're growing for three primary driver reasons, and that's really about the rise in e-commerce. Like we don't see that slowing down at all. That continues to be um, really you know, booming, actually. Um, I know I've never been one that was a shopper online, but now Amazon comes at least once or twice a week. And uh, the same with groceries. You know, we've been uh, probably more conservative and cautious than many of our friends, but we haven't been shopping other than through online shopping networks. So we're seeing jobs follow that same area where we did see them in retail jobs and now they're really moving over to more e-commerce type jobs. Um, and the retail area still, in traditional retail taking a significant hit, right? So that was part of our jobs um, indicators. We saw that uh, areas like California, New York, Texas, their retail markets were still really taking a, a significant hit. But the uptick that we're seeing is definitely in that e-commerce, logistics, transportation, even clerks like in the, where we would traditionally see them in a retail environment, they're still in demand, but they're in demand in a different way. In the grocery store, in the pharmacy, um, customer service agents still in demand, but working from home, working remotely versus in a physical location. 
The second driver that we see is, you know, um, in the professional services, we, we say it's gone from in demand to just in case. And that's really more about, you know, we talk to thousands of employees and the most important thing for them is being in a safe environment and still having opportunities to, you know, have an, a, an office or a place that they can still produce for their family. Even if it's at home, they need that ability to be an a, a earner for their family. And so when they're balancing those things, companies are seeing a growing demand for medical jobs, um, for the safety, cybersecurity jobs, for just in case to ensure their infrastructure is stable and secure. And then uh, other risk type roles for preparedness. All of those things continue to see um, positive trends. And then the last is rise in remote uh, flexible work jobs. We talked about that. And um, we continue to see companies that are looking at that as their new normal, looking at how the future of work in their organizations will completely change. But one of the statistics that interests me the most is we're seeing really heavy concentrated demand. So think about this. We're always looking at data and the Gartner data is we always look at like the top 20 jobs. What are the top 20 jobs? Well, interestingly, the data this time, those top 20 jobs are actually 50% of that 10 million jobs that are available in the marketplace. That's mm. an unparalleled number. On average, the top 20 jobs in the years past have represented about 28% of the available jobs in the market. So this concentration of demand in those specific categories that I outlined for you, that's really driving 20, if you think about it, 20 of the top jobs are driving 50% of the total demand for talent. So it's a really, it's a different market than we've ever seen from a demand um, perspective due to that type of concentration swinging so drastically to those 20 types of jobs. Wow, that is just amazing and very intriguing uh, uh, data. Um, and in and, and in some case, you know, my other part of the brain is saying, wait, we talk about employment for everyone. And that is kind of scary also that. Um, and, and so why, why do you think that some concentrated uh, because of the growth in some concentrated industries and growth in like e-commerce, you know, as, as and I will, I'll ask you, I'll let you uh, answer that question. Just one thought came to my mind that e-commerce, it makes sense. Like we used to say, hey, if my dog is barking, we used to say, oh, must be a mailman. Now I've started hearing, oh, must be the Amazon delivery guy. So that's how this whole uh, mindset and that and society has changed. Yeah. But tell us what, what, why, why is that? And how can we expand that to and go back to 28% from uh, uh, from 50% because that's what we as a whole as a society um, we need that but of course business needs are the needs as they always say customer is always right customer needs are the priority but share your thoughts what do you think and how is it yeah. going to change? Well, we kind of got ahead of that at Manpower Group. We've been very heavily focused 
on gaps in talent and where is the need versus where is the existing talent. And I don't want to go too far down this rabbit hole, but there's certainly a gap in future jobs versus current jobs. And now that may have been turned a little on its ear, but if you think about just the concept, you know, we feel in our industry, it is our obligation to continue to focus on upskilling or mm -hmm. right talent uh, or reskilling them completely. Um, so I, I think that's where we've got to focus is finding opportunities for workers to reskill themselves. If the jobs that they are used to doing in the past are going away, let's find them opportunities where the job is transferable. But if it's not at the right wage that they're looking to earn um, or they have desires to move up to these in-demand skills, then let's find opportunities to upskill talent or reskill that talent so that they can learn while they're working. We offer a great opportunity at Manpower group through my path. Um, we make sure that everyone has education available to them as long as they're working a current job. So I think you're going to see that trend. And it's not always going to be the traditional education of, you know, a college degree necessarily. It could be um, education in more of the you know, skilled trades or education in transfer skills um, into higher level logistics jobs that require some, you know, computer skills that that traditionally, if they were a picker packer, they didn't have those. But if skills in the distribution and logistics area are going to evolve and be more technical with the use of AI and technology and robotics, then we just need to upskill that talent so that they can continue to drive their career for higher earning opportunities. So I think the onus is going to be on our industry, on the new administration to continue to have a focus to upskill, reskill, um, you know, talent to, to ensure that as a country, we continue in the U.S. to fill the demand of future jobs and be ready and try to stay ahead of what the trends say those future jobs are going to be. No, oh, that that is amazing. So, so Paul, I I, I heard that you uh, you mentioned that some of the amazing strategy and and work manpower group and all other staffing companies uh, we all as an industry are putting the efforts. How do you see employers also because it's all collaboration and partnership, right? What we can what we can do is is we can help and strategize and help the employers. How how do you see them contributing to this as we are now all working to uh, towards recovery uh, recovery of the economy and and social economy also? So how do you how do you see that trend? Yeah, I think you know I'm not an economist, so I'll leave that work to them. But some of the things that we're hearing and seeing in all the clients that we talk to and their employees as well, they are eager. To, to improve their skills. And mm -hmm. our customers are definitely looking to stay ahead of the skills trend. So we're seeing new innovations come with um, technologies out there that are comparing the upskilling, so talent that wants to invest in their future skills. Um, we're seeing assessments come up for as a priority for employers to assess um, not just people's current skills, but their learnability. Like, what is their quotient? Do they want to be a continuous learner? Because we're finding that that's a skill set that's absolutely needed for the future. We need people that 
have a, a curiosity measure. They are really curious about new types of work, new ways of doing things. And that in itself is an indicator that that person is probably uh, worth investing for future skills. So assessments on the front end, we're seeing a lot of investment there. We're seeing investments in training, technology partners, um, colleges, universities, even, um, you know, skill gap, short uh, education is, is hot right now and any of the providers we're partnering with a lot of technical partners that come in and do you know nine nine week uh, programs to help make a bridge to technologies that are emerging we're also seeing and like we've ever seen a lot of old technologies and and we need that expertise I'm not going to mm -hmm. go back all the way to cobalt but a lot of early technologies are yeah. needed to help rebuild and stabilize infrastructure within organizations so it is hot today and it's hot not just for future skills but even older technologies they're looking for talent that has the has that knowledge to help them rebuild build and stabilize infrastructure within their organizations and, and older technologies uh, as an example. So, um, I, I, you know, I think it's all those categories. And then they're also looking for great technology that can marry, okay, here's the skill base that I have for my current employees. Here are the jobs that I have open. There are technologies in the market where we can start to scrape data from contract opportunities within an organization, from permanent CRM opportunities in an organization, even cloud platform technologies and gig economy type work. If companies are using that as a platform, we can pull data from all of that tell a company, here's where your skills are today in your workforce. Here's the company population that are actually investing in future skills. And here's your still the gap that you have for to, to meet the demand of the current jobs you have and even the more futuristic um, components of the gig work that you have in your in your cloud platforms. So we're seeing clients invest in pretty um, sophisticated technologies to help them close that gap and have a clear understanding on where they need to continue to upskill their talents to meet the demands of their production or their you know end client demands as well this is so amazing so what i'm hearing is that as a staffing industry and 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 when we take this consultative approach when we serve our customers it's very important for us to to uh, learn and capture certain information from the market, understand their environment and help them prepare for the future uh, so that they are successful. When they are successful, we are successful. So thank you so much for sharing this amazing knowledge. Before we conclude, we have, I think, few more minutes. But before I conclude, I would really like to ask you this one question, which is, you know, it's connected to to uh, to myself personally, myself, Hethel and all everyone at Rangam. Uh, diversity inclusion, uh, disability inclusion. Uh, tell us, how do you see that future and how companies have started looking at uh, diversity more seriously or and, and disability, if you can, um, as part of the diversity? 
Yeah, it's a great question. And of course, you know, my clients that I have the pleasure of work with working with in North America are our largest clients. Many of them are global. So this is one of their top initiatives. It is a top priority. Um, some of the social unrest that we've had for the past year has definitely catapulted discussions around um, diversity and inclusion to the forefront. And even our organization, we, we have taken so many new initiatives to ensure an inclusive and uh, safe environment so that people can share ideas in a very open way. Our uh, talent solutions group has now come forward. We built a solution. In the past, we talked a lot with clients in consulting around how to ensure they had a inclusion strategy to make sure that diversity was a part of their succession plans and their strategies around talent total talent management. Now we actually have a solution that we can come to the table and if they are struggling to meet their objectives in that space, we now can bring them a solution that's tangible and help them achieve those goals. Because many clients were telling us, we have the platforms, we have the building blocks, we have all the right strategies, but we are having a failure to execute on those strategies. It's just not working. Can you come and help us? And now we did build a solution to bring to clients to help them achieve those goals. So it continues to be one of the hottest topics um, with most of our top clients. And I will say supplier diversity, in addition to diversity and inclusion initiatives, continues to be a top driver as well. And it's really no different than 15 years ago, Nish, when we started this. You know, the the passion for many of our clients was if you upskill and you elevate other vendors within the staffing industry, it elevates your industry as a whole. Our CEO shared that with me and I continue to carry it every day. But I also think about our companies that we work with are passionate about bringing diverse workforce also in the contractor space. So we partner with our diversity partners to ensure that we're bringing diverse talent along with our diverse partners um, into the mix so that they not only get the value of a diverse procurement angle, but it also contributes to the diversity of their uh, contractor population through supplier diversity within the staffing industry. So I think it's going to continue to be one of our top priorities and certainly top priorities of our clients. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Paula. I really appreciate your time. We went over. I apologize by a few minutes, but I wish I was able to continue further. But it's it has been pleasure talking to you. A lot of learning. So thank you for your time and thank you for sharing uh, uh, amazing data and statistics and the 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 the, the future uh, uh, your futuristic view sharing your views on how the staffing industry and the employment space is is uh, evolving so thank you for all the great uh, information I have one shameless plug and we released recently our talent solutions team released the total workforce index. Um, you can find that on my social media page. It's a very unique report. It actually is one of the best in the globe around how to source, hire, retain uh, talent, both contingent labor and permanent labor. And I will make sure that's out and available for anybody following you or following me um, after our call today. And thank you so much for the opportunity. 
thank you so much. If I may ask, what is that that is for employers? If you can tell us a little bit, like 30 seconds, a little bit about that, that index. Well, it, it's all about like looking at the things that are priorities for your company and you can choose those six levers of what are the most critical hiring uh, levers for your organization. And then when you look at the index, it'll by prioritization. It's about labor laws across the globe. It's about, um, you know, bias and different things. When you look at uh, pay parity, there's all these triggers that you can determine and figure out, you know, what you need to do to help even by geography, source the best talent, um, you know, hire that talent and retain that talent even by skill across the globe. Excellent, excellent. And we will share that link and that information on the this event page for this LinkedIn Live. So Paula, again, thank you so much for all your time and doing amazing work uh, for all the suppliers and, and all the job seekers all over the world. So thank you for all your service and, and contribution to the staffing industry. and. And thank you, all the viewers, for joining us today. All right. Thanks so much. We'll Bye. continue our conversation next Wednesday, same time uh, at 2 o'clock. Uh, um, till then, thank you. Take care and enjoy your rest of the week. Take care. Bye-bye.